Welcome to How to Hochschule, our audio guide about tackling life and work at Rheinwald University of Applied Sciences, one of the most international universities in Germany. So grab a cup of hot pumpkin by Latte, put on your comfiest headphones and join us as we explore the world of Hochschule Rheinwald. Welcome back to 24 Hours at Hochschule Rhein-Waal, our four-part special where we journey through a day in the life of our university. I'm Stefan Hanf and this is part three, the afternoon. We've explored the night's quiet introspection and the morning's bustling beginnings. Now, as the sun arches higher, we delve into the heart of the day. Uh, my name is Annette Bradley. And we are on Kamplinford campus, we are in building four, ground floor, which is where the student advisory service is. <laughs> That's correct. And we're sitting right now in a, is it a, con no, it's a meeting, conference room? It's a consulting room, yeah. Our afternoon begins in a place that's a beacon for many on their academic journey, the student advisory service. Here in Kamplinford, we meet Annette Bradley. Annette isn't just an advisor, she's a bridge builder helping students navigate not only their interests in finding the right subjects, but also the cultural currents of university life. Do you remember like the first student that came to you here when you started? Oh, I can't remember, no, I can't remember. But we were just establishing the university here and everybody in this department and this is... Um, this department now is the Student Advisory Service and the Examination Service and the Student Services Department. And that was all one big department at the time. With no differentiation, everybody had to do everything. The very first study program was e-government. And yeah, and we had like like a classroom full of students and that was it. <laughs> Yeah, so that was the very beginning. So I was basically involved with the second intake. You know, the, so the, there were a lot, lot of students who came who wanted to know how to enroll and, and we had to enroll them and stuff like that, you know. So the enrollment at the time was done by us. So the students came and we had to enroll everybody. Nowadays, it's all digitally. They upload their, their documents via SharePoint and that, that is the actual enrollment. But there's no personal contact. But at that time, everybody had to come in person and everybody had to enroll in person. So that, that was basically, that was good actually in a way because everybody who came had a face. And, and if they had any problems subsequently, they would always come to us automatically. Mm. Now it's slightly different because the enrollments are digitally and they have no faces. Um, so they don't know anybody and it's all, I don't know, they have to find their way a bit more. I think it's probably more difficult for mm. them to start. But at the time it was nice. It was very nice. It was nice making the personal contact. It was, it was really nice. I enjoyed it. But the international factor wasn't so big in the beginning, right? Not in the first year. Um, and the very first international students were Bangladeshi students. 
And we had a lot to do with them because they had a lot of questions. And um, I remember one girl who came, she thought she was going to starve because um, she was used to being to open kitchens at every street corner in Dakar. And there's no kitchens here at any, any street corners or anything like that. So she didn't know where to get her food from. <laughs> so yeah, it's quite interesting. Wow. Yeah, it was very, very yeah. interesting. I can remember another guy who came to me at one point and he said he wanted to buy a cow. And I thought, what does he want to buy a cow for? I said, well, wh wh why? What do you want a cow for? And he said, I want to slaughter it in the street. And I said, Oh, God, I don't know. Please don't slaughter any cows in the street. Apparently, there was a festival in Bangladesh, and they, they slaughter, uh, slaughter cows in the street. But you don't do that in Germany. So, yeah, so there were quite a few very interesting occasions <laughs> talking to the international students. <laughs> wow. Does something like this still happen? When, no. What is like your daily business here? We advise students who come here, you know, regarding studying courses, what they can study. Um, you know, so, th so there's a distinction between people who already study and people who are interested in studying. So the people who are interested in studying... We advise them as to the different options that they have, what might be or might not be suitable for them. Yeah, it's very interesting and very, very job, really. And the students that are already enrolled, if we advise them in different situations of their life, sort of they have questions. You know, sometimes it's easy questions. You know, sometimes they're in difficult situations like health assurance or uh, visa extensions and stuff like that. So it's yeah, quite varied, really. Really. Is there a difference between the problems German students have and international students have? It's always it's always difficult to generalize, obviously. But, you know, German students, especially if they're very young, they tend to be living at home and they tend to be family assured through their parents and international students aren't. They have to find accommodation, which is difficult You know, they're here on a visa, so they have to extend their visa. Usually they tend to have to work because, you know, it's expensive in Germany compared to some countries. There's a lot of burdens, shall we say, on mm. international students, I mm. think. Yeah. The questions, the students come to you, they change over the year, right? It's, it's, it's yeah, is there something do. that's constant or something that's connected to a certain period of year? There are things that are, that tend to be constant, yes, and that's usually the health assurance. I mean, it, it tends to be the health assurance. And sometimes if you're a bit stuck for money, sometimes people don't pay their health assurance. And if they don't pay their health assurance, then the health assurance will inform the university. The university has to put a bar into their account so they can't re-register. Mm. And then when it comes to re-registration, they pay and they can't, and they still can't re-register and they will be expelled mm. eventually if they don't attend to the issue of the health insurance. Then periodically it's the expelling and that's something that's happening just now. Can you explain it a bit more what exactly yeah, means? Yeah, basically if, if you don't re-register, i.e. if you don't pay the money, if you don't pay the, the semester fee or that, you know, you don't or you don't pay it in full, 
or if your health assurance is not up to date, or if there's no internship, if your internship is missing for the re-registration period after the third semester, then you cannot be re-registered and, and you will be expelled. If those issues aren't addressed and solved, you will be expelled. It's not the end of the world because basically if you then address the issue, i.e. if you pay the missing amount or if you then produce your internship certificate or your health assurance is sorted, then you can be re-registered, no problem really. Yeah. But is there a certain deadline? If yeah, I... there is a deadline. Yeah. There's a deadline twice a year and you re-register for the summer semester by the 15th of January. And you re-register for the winter semester by the 15th of June. So if that hasn't taken place, basically, then you will be reminded and you will have to pay a late payment fee of 15 euros. But then you can re-register then. But after some time, how often does it happen that, that students actually get expelled? Oh, it's quite often. Really? <laughs> actually. Yeah, it is quite often. <laughs> yeah, it, it is regularly, actually. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and and how many of them try to get back into their students? Most of them, I think. Okay, so yeah. it's not just people who are done with their studies and just no, no, no. It's it's um it's it's people who who generally sometimes sometimes what, what people do is they realize that they pay too late, and they just pay, but they don't inform anybody of their payment. And what happens is after a certain amount of time. Nobody actually uh, checks if any money's gone in, you know, because they have other things to do. They have a thousand things to do and they won't automatically check every day if money's gone in. And if they don't know, then the money's landing somewhere, somewhere in space, basically, and uh, nobody knows about it. Hmm. And the money is then not automatically connected to their account. And if it's not connected to their account, it's just floating around in space. And then they're automatically registered. And then they're really upset because they have paid, but nobody knew about it, unfortunately. So just simply sending an email to the student services department uh, saying, please note that I have paid and here's the payment and the proof of payment, you know, will avoid being, being accidentally deregistered. <laughs> The whole thing about German bureaucracy, you probably really <laughs> learned what that meant when you started working here, right? Because I think in, I don't know how I it did, works yeah, in, I did, yeah. in, in other countries, but that's, Germany is, is infamous for that, right? Infamous, yeah, 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 it is. It is infamous, but having said that, the other European countries are, that, are not that, that different either, I don't think. So okay. <laughs> and to, we tend to think we're the worst, but I don't think we are actually. <laughs> so, so, so it's rather students who are from outside of Europe who... who, who Probably. They, they get a culture shock, I think, yes. <laughs> I grew up in Germany. For, for me, it's sometimes hard to understand... Why so certain things is so hard for internationals? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you can look it up and just follow the rules in, in yes. brackets. But That's on the other it. hand, there are things that com I would say completely uh, doesn't make sense for me if I'm from outside the country. For example, a GZ that I think a very famous. Uh, I know, the, yes. the radio tax. Yes, that's right. That's right. That, that's something. Actually, that's something that that periodically turns up here as well, and that is something that comes all over the year. Um, what we're talking about is, you know, as soon after you move in, 
you will get an an email and you will get a letter which is a gated set which is an GEZ basically they're asking for money and it's not something that you have an option of to pay or not to pay you have to pay it whether you want to or not and regularly people don't pay thinking oh it's an option but it's not and if you don't pay you'll end up in real trouble because what will happen is uh, they will send you a letter asking you to register and every household has to pay this tax It doesn't matter if you have a television, it doesn't matter if you have a radio, it doesn't matter if you speak German or not, it it doesn't make any difference, but you have to pay it. And if you don't pay, what will happen is they remind you and they will remind you again. And meanwhile, the money will, because you haven't paid, then the money will build up and then they put an interest on it and eventually they will send somebody around to enforce it. They will try to get in and they will try to take something out of your household, something valuable, so that they can then repossess that and they can, they can, yeah. It's a very, very unfortunate thing and it's something that's entirely avoidable you just need to know that on top of whatever your expenses are you have to allocate 17 euros a month for radio tax and that's g said yeah there there's a very infamous uh, court case about a student Uh, it's a german student who argued that he couldn't pay for the radio tax Mm -hmm. and the courts decided he could stop his studies to go working Mm -hmm. To repay the radio tax and then study again. So they're really serious about that. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's not everyone in Germany likes likes that fact. It's really controversial. So what is your main communication with students? Because you just said that it used to be that you meet them. Yeah, you can the meet them face to face. But yeah. now it's... Uh, yeah, it's now different. It's It's more, there's more ways to meet people. You've got the possibility to phone. So on a Tuesday and a Thursday, we have telephone hours, so we can be contacted by phone. On Monday, Wednesday and Friday, we offer virtual student service point. People can actually come and join us online uh, via Webex, which is a brilliant offer, especially for, for students who are abroad. Because it doesn't matter where you happen to be in the world, whether you're right next door or whether you're in Australia, for instance, you can still participate in that offer. And the other thing is that we're actually open. Our offices are open on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning mm. and on a, a Tuesday afternoon as well. Uh, did something change in the way the people or soon-to-be students approach you, the questions, or did it stay more mm, or less the same? No, not really. Basically, there are always some students who know exactly what to do, what they want to do. And then you have a lot of students who have no idea whatsoever. They have no idea what they want to do. And we offer orientation weeks, study orientation weeks in January, where people can register and then they can take part in workshops and they can find out what they might be interested in. It's, it's not even, it's not even particular to our programs, to our study programs. Yeah, it's, it's open advice, basically, because we're interested in, in, in helping students 
finding out what suits them and not what suits us. You know, to us, it, it's there's no point in persuading people to do something that that doesn't suit them because they would then discontinue at some point, which is not good for us. And the students have lost one entire year because it'll take one year for them to re-register for another course. So they've lost all that time in between. Hmm. So it's not, it wouldn't be a good idea of us to, yeah, to advise them in any particular direction, really. Um, so, so I guess like the conversations you have with uh, people who are interested in one study field, it's quite easy. It's just about the, mm -hmm. maybe about the structure more or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the people who don't know what they want to study, how, how do you approach that? How do you find out what might fit? <laughs> Person. It just depends. I mean, today I had somebody and I asked him what he liked at school to get a feel of what he wanted, what he might be interested in. Does he, does he like languages? Is he more mathematically or natural sciences interested? Um, stuff like that. So, you know, you go from that. It's, it's very individual, really. Mm. It's very individual. <laughs> in your conversations with would-be students, do you mostly find something that might be interesting for, for them or do you, do you sometimes have cases where it's clear to you it probably won't happen yeah i mean sometimes yes you can find something and you can find that they're interested in something maybe more interested in something or you can find an either or option where they might be interested in several subjects that we offer or they might be interested in other things that we don't offer um, so that's a possibility. Yeah, it's just very, very wide option. But, you know, sometimes, um, like if they're interested in something that we offer, then I tell them, have a look at the module handbook. And that way, if you look at the module handbook, uh, you know, you, you'll know what is being taught in a particular program. And then you can see if it suits you or if it's not, if it doesn't suit you, you can compare because it's transparent. It makes the, the study program transparent to some degree. You can then compare one study program against another and you can compare different universities or different programs from different universities. And yeah, it gives you all sorts of, of options. But the idea is definitely think about it earlier on. Think about what you want to do early on and not only can you have a look at all the, the options that we have you can have a look at the written word you can have a look at the module handbook you can have a look at the, the description online and stuff like that um, but the other thing is if you think about it on time is what you can actually do is you can actually take part in offers that we have we have options where you can accompany a student for a day Oh, we have an offer that's called Get a Taste, whereby in the autumn holidays and the Easter holidays, some of the lectures are open to the public and you can register and you can just go and have a look and join it. And you can see if, if the study program you're interested in, if you're still interested in it, if you're not interested in it, if you thought it was totally different what it's like to study in English and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that are good, <laughs> are good yeah. about it. I was just taken back when I started studying 20 <laughs> years ago. I didn't study yeah. here, but um, uh, a time before smartphones, I had the feeling that it was a little bit harder to find all the information yes. about my study course, about yeah. 
what I need. But now all the information is, is out there, right? But I think it's not so much about information because students still get overwhelmed by what they yes. actually have to do, right? Yes. Yeah, yes, I can understand that. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff to learn, really. I think in one way, it's easier to study at a smaller institution like a University of Applied Sciences rather than a university, or at least in our case, because we're, we're smaller. And basically what that entails is that, that we work with a timetable. And if you follow the timetable, then basically should you pass everything, then you would finish your degree in the standard time to degree, basically. You know, you'll find, you'll find everything online, basically. Everything's, yeah. everything's there. You know, people just have to spend some time looking for it. After all these years working for a student advisory service, what is like the main lesson, main takeaway you have? The main takeaway is I think you've got to love the job. <laughs> you've got to love the job. Treat everybody the way you want to be treated. I think that's the important thing. And it does help if you genuinely like students and like to help them. That's the thing that's important. Yeah. <laughs> and it's what you have to remember, obviously, is a lot of students are away from home. And it's important that they get a bit of warmth and a bit of love, maybe, uh, you know, from, from, other, from other sources. I know what you mean, yeah. Uh, uh, far from home. You like to be appreciated, I think. From the quiet console of Annette's office, we move to the vibrant energy of Hochschulsport the campus in Camp Linford. This is where Klein Alexander Semento Cassillon, a former bionic student and now a researcher, teaches more than just core training. It's a space where barriers are broken, where each step and each beat in a dance class is a step towards mutual understanding. His journey from Colombia to Germany is not just a geographical shift, but a narrative of adapting, embracing and sharing. I grew up in Colombia. I'm originally from Medellin, but we moved quite a lot. So I was in different cities over there. Then I finished my school in Colombia. So what you would call here an habitual. And I went to Mexico to do my bachelor. So I spent there also four, four and a half, five years of my life. Beautiful country, beautiful place as well. When I was finishing, I was like, okay, I want to do a master's. And I started looking for a place. It turned out that I was quite frustrated at the beginning because you start looking for something and it is, okay, you need to have experience or you need to have excellent grades. and Or you find, of course, as well, programs where it's just horribly expensive. And I took all that frustration and I tried to analyze it. And then I realized that a lot of it came because I was not looking for the country that I wanted to go to. Then I started focusing on Germany and then everything was uh, was pink again. So I could see life, a color in life. And yeah, so when I was looking for scholarships, I one of my main uh, things was the DAD portal. And then I was looking for programs. 
And the program that caught my attention the most was Bionics because I wanted to go into that direction. Why? I wanted to do something related to medicine still, something related to nature, and something related to technology. And I saw that Bionics was fitting a lot of them. And in Germany at that time, it was, I think, at least from the DAD, the only university that had the program in English. Then... I applied for scholarship. I got a scholarship for Germany. And then I came to Clever. <laughs> What was it like your first impression that lasts for Germany? My first impression. So the first thing, definitely this feeling of accomplishing my dream. I arrived in Berlin and there I did a language course. So the first uh, thing was there's a lot of culture and there's a lot of everything. But for me, I wasn't feeling at home. I, for me at that time, I, it might be because of the language, because all the adaptation process, but uh, I just felt like another person. I, 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 for me, it was impersonal. For me, it was like just another point, a little bit insignificant mm -hmm. feeling. Mm -hmm. And I remember when then I decided to come to Cleve to see the university campus and to actually see, uh, yeah, where I'm going to. Just arriving to Cleve, it was funny because for me, I hear other students, for example, complaining about how small it is or, or how different it is from big cities. When I arrived to Cleve, it was so peaceful and it felt like cozy. It felt like home. And I love the university and I love the fact that it has a river passing in between. And yeah, it was, I, I, I was just very excited and very curious about everything. You didn't have any friends or any, no one here, right? No one. How did you approach that when you came here? I think for me, the, the first thing was like, you usually, whenever you go to, to a new place, you, even when, when you go outside, you don't know anyone and you still can communicate, you still can get to know someone. So my approach was just be friendly the whole time. So talk a little bit more. So just don't limit yourself to just take the train, say good morning and then stay there or just take the train and stay quiet and just sit next to the other person and don't say anything. So for me, it was since I was growing up, whenever we boarded a bus, the first thing that we were saying was good morning. And not only for the person that was driving the bus, but for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that way you just come around friendly. All right. Uh, you come across friendly. And I think that was my approach. And apparently it worked pretty good because... From what I can remember, I can I, I have only good experiences meeting people. And maybe there are, yeah, a few things that could happen that maybe someone just was not friendly to you. or, But they're so insignificant if you compare it to all the other things that are very good. Did you take a German course? Yes, that was a, a part of the scholarship, like an intensive course. And it, there were six months, but I really just did four because I wanted to also travel around. So I got the basics from there. But you, from my perspective, you don't get enough for keep conversation, especially in such a short time. So it was still very, very rusty and I couldn't understand a lot of things or basically I, I could only say hello, so to say it. But when I came to Cleve, I was first in a room in Kranenburg. 
And I remember I didn't like it that much. It, I was just subletting the room. And I started looking for something else. And I ended up in Kleve Overstadt with uh, uh, Simon, which is right now a very, very good friend of mine. And he's a German uh, guy. And so at the beginning, we're just roommates. It's okay. Then we started talking a little bit more. And maybe two or three months after I moved, he asked me, hey, you're here. Uh, do you want to learn German? And I was like, yeah, of course. That I'm already here. And what best than learning German where people talk German? And he was like, ah, good to know. From now on, I will only talk in German to you. And it was a challenge. It was a huge challenge. But from that day on, we were just talking in German. And I couldn't understand sometimes. Uh, I, I remember... Yeah, he did a lot of jokes about the way that I pronunciated things or the way that I tried to approach things as well. Of course, sometimes I had to change to English. But just the fact that, for example, when he introduced me to his friends, they were always talking in German. Or when we were having a party at home, then they were talking in German um, and maybe not understanding a whole conversation, but grabbing some words here and there. And then you start, yeah making expressions yours as well. And uh, yeah, at some point you're then just talking. And, but it's always on a social side, right? Because in your Definitely. studies, yeah, on studies it was all in English, right? Studies only in English. And most of my student life was only in English. Even though, for example, Kimi, the girl that I met at, at the beginning, we were very close and we were talking a lot and she's German. We only talked in English the whole time. And every time that we were in the university and we were doing something with the university, it was still in English. So I actually started practicing my German only with my roommate. And even though he was also studying in the university, for us, that was not university space anymore. That was more like extracurricular completely. Did you really do the sport classes Started here or did you start it out in Colombia or back in Mexico already? Yeah. When I was in Colombia, I didn't do a lot of sports. So I, I like to describe it. I was like a grape, just uh, sweet and round. Then I moved to Mexico and in this university, it was a private university and they had a lot of offers, a lot of offers of sports. There I just started trying things out. And I think I started with tennis and swimming. Um, and I liked it, so I was relatively active with the sport courses there. And they had a course of dancing, but when I took it, I didn't like it. So it was completely opposite to what dancing is for me. So for me, dancing, I was just social. I, I never learned dancing properly. For me, it was just social dancing, going to the disco, having fun. And then we were there and they were explaining me, you have to count here and you have to do a choreography and you have... I hated it. I hated it. That was for me so limited and so squared. And I remember I stayed just because of the people, because I was meeting new people and because we were doing fun stuff together. But for me, the course was not important in itself. I don't even remember if I learned something there. But that's how this like culture of extracurricular activities started for me. And that's why it was the first thing that I looked for when I came to this university. I remember one of our friends as well from the masters, he was doing hip hop. So he's a very good hip hop dancer. 
and uh, we were talking and at some point the idea came, hey, why don't we offer hip hop at the university? Uh, because Kimi was a dancer. I'm, I'm Colombian. I'm not a dancer per se, but I like dancing and he's a really good uh, hip hop dancer. And we were like, ooh. And then he presented that to Hochschule Sports. I think in that time it was directly with Peter Gaske. And they said, okay, if you gather enough people that are interested, why not? And so he posted it in one of social medias and saw how many people were there, made them sign a, a document. So not a document, just a sheet of paper. And then after they realized that we had some quorum, it was, okay, you do it. And that was like the first connection to really doing the sports and to see, okay, we can teach as well and we can do something. We can um, we can earn money as well as a student, um, which was quite nice. And at some point, Mantan also asked me, hey, we're doing really good with the course, but our students need more conditioning. They need to be able to dance a full song of three minutes. So we need to train them a little bit more. Uh, can you do it? And I was like, Dude, I'm not an expert myself. I haven't done it, but sure, why not? Um, and we started just doing some stuff there. I had been doing or I had been training with uh, apps before. So I had some idea of how some techniques could work and yeah, conditioning myself. But there is something that I train a lot in the gym uh, that also my roommate tells me, I have no idea why you train that much which was core, uh, so abdominal work. And I was like, I could start something like that. So I started having 30 minutes of core workout and people liked it a lot. It was full and uh, we liked it, but then we realized, poof, maybe 30 minutes. It's not really, or we just focus on the core and it might be boring. And so we changed that to a more functional training and then we extended it to one hour. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I basically got involved with the whole Hochschule Sports. Can you explain what is core training in involved, actually? Uh, core training came with the idea of training your abdominal muscles. We call core basically everything that goes from your hips to your uh, chest. So that's your core. And actually, it's... it's a set of muscles that we don't train focusedly that much. Now, uh, what happens is that if you train your core, you're able to improve in any kind of sport. That's why the whole idea came. And what we do there is just a lot of training with your own weight. So we do have so exercises, a little bit of cardio, some warm-up, and then we just focus on core. And we try to involve other muscle groups as well, not to make it boring, but at the same time to to not let them rest, so to say it. And yeah, that's that's pretty much what the core workout is about. And uh, did it change from the time you started it, except like the duration of the training? Yes, yes. The focus of the exercise has changed a little bit. By extending the duration, what what I wanted to do was actually to include also these other muscles that we were not working so one of the feedback that i received a lot was like really cool we're training a lot of our core but can i train my back as well do you have an exercise for my arms do you have an exercise for my legs and then i decided to make it more functional 
And that's why also we increased the, the duration. So it, it definitely changed. And that was one of the things that I also encouraged the people that came to the courses was every time that you have feedback, just give it. It doesn't matter if it's good or it's bad. It's, it's just good to, to know what's happening and we can improve from there. Why do you think so, so many people were interested in the course? Because they used it for their different sports or you just said you had a lot of feedback. Did you know what like the main inspiration, your mm -hmm. journey was quite easy to understand, right? It's a progression and you yeah. understand, ah, course is really important. What from the other students who came or come still come to the course? So to be honest, I think they think it's important, but that's not it. I think that's maybe 30 maximum 50% of it. I think they started just because they wanted to try out something and they wanted to see what fits their needs. And they stay because they realize me, with this group that I'm training, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling so relaxed. I'm feeling that I can talk a little bit, that I can laugh. So it's about the whole experience. It's about the environment, the music that you have there, that you drop some jokes, that you meet some people, that... Yeah, you, you get to build relations. Like right now, usually what what, what I try to do also and, and what I say to the people that come to the courses is don't come here just or at least don't use this just for a sport in itself or just to, to train. Use it as a social activity. Use it to meet someone new. Use it to build bonds because at the end, Yeah, so it might be that this course is not there anymore and you have some networking and you can start it yourself and or you can meet outside of the course and do some stuff together. So I think that's why a lot of people stayed. And yeah, so they just have fun there. Not because of the course itself, but because right. what they can do there. Welcome back to the final chapter of today's journey in 24 hours at Hochschule Rhein-Baal. We are stepping into a world where words create universes. We find ourselves in a special place on campus, the Tropenhaus in Kleve, today a lush backdrop to the Schreibwerkstatt, our university's creative writing um, workshop. Banana tree in the banana republic. When will they free you? Are you tired of being forced to grow or are you so used to it you just stand tall? Do you want to be taken, or do you feel like staying? If you leave, will you keep your home's essence inside of you? Or if you stay, will you feel at home? If you ever feel like you're not worth a choice, let me remind you of that. They fought worse because of you, so you don't feel that bad. Do you ever cry when your leaves fall, or do you know what it really means? It means that time's flowing, and it's brought you to where you've been. Green souls built you up, and they made you who you are, Whether you leave or stay, you're bound to leave a scar. So I ask again, will you leave or will you stay? Anything that fits will make you brave. Here in this oasis, students from the Faculty of Society and Economics gather for a reading session to explore the realms of their imagination through the power of words. I'm Jay Brown. I'm a third semester student at 
Shane JD. I just did a reading for the creative writing workshop where we presented our work from like the garden and like the tropical greenhouse. Um, and I joined yeah, the beginning of this semester, like second semester. We got like an email from Renate saying like, this exists and it's so fun, you should all join. So I texted my friend fucking I was like, you should join because I don't want to do this alone. The first meeting, he went to a party the night before. So he didn't he didn't show up the first meeting, so I went there all alone, and I was late already. And I was like, yeah, actually, like, I have a friend, but he's not here today. And then next, next month he showed up, and since then we've been doing this together. And we've really grown. Everyone's really nice. And from now on, every semester we will show up once a month for creative writing and write creatively. So you're, you're glad that you were forced to come here? Um, yeah, <laughs> kind of. I mean, I feel like I've been very much forced into a lot of situations by Jay in the past. Is but that true? It, 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 it is true. I'm embarrassed, but I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think in general, it was worth it, right? yeah, I mean, it was really worth it. And it's not like I have had any bad experiences so far, you know, it's just enjo pure enjoyment. I had done some creative writing on myself because I'm sad. And I, I love just writing stuff, which is because it was just a great way to put all stuff out. Um, so I did that for a very long time, writing um, poems and other stuff in school and but I had never done anything as a part of a bigger group in like generally and you also did part in German wasn't you? yes um that part in German wasn't mine I was from other like from other students but um I regularly don't write in German I mostly write in English and in Spanish but I think that next semester I might try to write more in German yeah so we'll do it again yeah definitely do it and like all the time that I'll be here probably yeah so so, how do you feel right now? I think it's over. Are you no no more stress? Are you relieved? Or how do you feel? Honestly, yeah, because I feel like I really was a little bit nervous at the beginning with like you know just talking in front of everyone and sharing what you wrote. But I feel like now I'm very relieved. Um, a lot of the stress just out, especially had support of my friends. That was amazing. So I think that now I feel all right. I'm an amazing friend. I make him experience great things. We went to a concert, which I forced him to go to. Big fan of the band now. So much fun in that concert, you know. So till now, no bad experiences. The Schreibwerkstatt is a vibrant tapestry of languages. Students write in German, English, or any language of their choice. It's a dance of words, hopping between languages, celebrating the diversity of our student body. Impulvenhaus, monkey bread tree, Affenbrotbaum. My life began in the Sudan. Warm, dry, dusty, and humid. I am only a young tree of 50 years of age. Us monkey bread trees can, ripe, can reach a ripe old age of hundreds of years, so I have a long way to go still. One day a group of students came. I could not understand them. They seemed to be studying me. They felt my bark, my leaves. They took samples from the earth around my trunk. Time passed as it does in the desert. Next thing I know, a large machine is digging into the earth around my roots. And all of a sudden, I am up in the air. I feel a little dizzy. Then I am placed in a large wooden crate, and it is dark. I feel the crate being lifted onto a vehicle, and then I am moving, rolling along for a very long time. I lose track of time. Is it day? Is it night? And silence. Then loud sounds, and once again the crate is lifted onto another vehicle, But now the movement is different. Up and down, up and down. It lulls me to sleep. Time passes. It is dark and silent. Only the rhythm, up and down, 
up and down, and I sleep. Noise again, being lifted, then rolling along. Darkness and silence. A loud crack and bright light floods into the crate. For the last time, I am lifted out and taken into a weird construction and planted into soft, sandy earth. It is like I am back in the Sudan. Warm, dry, dusty and humid. But when I look around, it does not look like the Sudan. Wide stretches of desert as far as the eye can see. Normal in the Sudan. No, it looks sort of grey and cold. It is like a little of my home within another home. And so my new life starts. Uh, my name is Fiona Callow. I originally come from Ireland, but I've lived in Germany for 36 years now. And a few years, I'm 57 now. And um, four years ago, I decided to study again. And uh, I'm studying early childhood education and care. And I've always loved reading and writing since a child, but lost um, lost it for a while. And here in the, the Hochschule, um, or I was able to uh, start working with the creative writing again with Renata, and uh, it's great fun as a, a way out of the uh, fast pace of life right. to come to another sort of area where everything is a little slower. Yeah. You know, so. What's interesting about your uh, so, uh, witness everything, of course, yeah. so you switch between German and English. Yeah. You actually did more in German than in English. Right? Well, because actually what, it's a, the first time I've done texts in English yeah. with the Creative Workshop uh, because, um, yeah, um, because it was almost always German-speaking people. And this year there was uh, uh, Joachim from Colombia and Jay, who's uh, American-German. Um, and then I decided to write in English, and it's really it's lovely to swap over because I don't speak so much English yeah, in, here yeah. in Germany. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I felt more comfortable. I think, I think I felt more comfortable. I think my personality comes out more when I when I read in English yeah, than I do I in know. German. Yeah. But, but what's interesting about this university? So probably when you came here, you already spoke German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I lived here for a long time. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, because it's always like an issue with this university because like, yeah. uh, a lot of. A lot of it is in English. Yeah. So people come here and don't speak English, uh, German at all. Well, and we only even had the case of someone who uh, unlearned German while studying. Yeah. yeah. Came well, from outside of Germany, but yes. Yeah, so. Well, that, that sometimes happens to me too because I'm living here so long, 36 years. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of the English words sometimes because yes. I'm working so much and my studies are unfortunately in German. So I thought I'm going to study at long last. And then I thought here everything was in English except for my one. So it's Kindheit's pedagogic. But, yeah. um, okay, so... Yeah, and that's probably, uh, if I understand correctly, the last time you were part of the writing course? Um, no, no, I'm going to be in next semester oh, okay, as well. Because, oh, someone else, sorry, I'm someone else. I'm, yeah. I'm actually almost... I'll be starting to write my bachelor thesis oh, okay. this winter. Okay, so I'm going to... So one last time. One last time. Uh, I mean, all your thoughts are gone. Yes. And you're just with the writing and with yeah. your surroundings. And it's just lovely yeah, to slow down and... Enjoy things. Coffee. Hot. Steamy. Coffee to go. White, black or milky. Good. Under the guidance of Renate Schmitz-Gebel, this workshop is more than a class. It's a melting pot of cultures and a symphony of diverse voices. I'm uh, Renate Schmitz-Gebel. I'm lecturer at Hochschule Rheinwald um, for creative writing. <laughs> okay. 
how did you came up with the idea to have the um, not only the writing course but also the reading today here at the greenhouse? Um, it's wonderful for for the students that they uh, have the opportunity to present uh, their texts. Um, Because uh, sometimes at the beginning when they come to the uh, a workshop, they are very shy <laughs> and uh, have fear to, to read their own texts. And it's wonderful to see that they grow and they um, become stronger. And today they were great and fantastic. <laughs> yeah, there was a really great turnout. Like yes. Almost every seat was full. Yes, that, that was really nice, and yes. and so also the idea was to go with with outside and inside. Uh, yes, and and it was amazing how well it was structured. So it was almost like a theater. Was it okay. something you came up with in a group? Yes, yes, we we thought about this uh, together, and and I collect the, the stories and the poems, and we have a Generalprobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'm so happy that uh, all looks... It was really great. Uh, one last question. So other students who, who listen to it right now, who are interested in joining the course, what? how do they find the course? Easiest thing, Moodle probably? Yes, yes, it's Moodle course. Also possible that they send me an email. And uh, yes. But it won't be always in a greenhouse? No, no. In, in several interesting places. In the Schum Museum, in the wood, in another park. Um, yes, several interesting places. Ein Stock, ein Reich. Für unsere Königin. Erfüllen wir unsere Pflichten. Ein Stock, ein Reich. Nektar, soweit das Auge reicht. Arbeiten zu jeder Tageszeit. Ein Stock, ein Reich für unsere Königin. I'm Zeynep Akkush. I'm studying Gender and Diversity on the Hochschule Rhein-Waal. And I um, was here because my friends are in the Schreibwerkstatt. So how did you know about this event? Just because your friend? Yeah. If you, did you know that the Schreibwerkstatt existed before? Or? Yeah, but also because of my friends, because they started there, but... Um, I didn't know before that. Okay, what was your expectation today for the Schreibwerkstatt? I didn't have any. I just knew that they like visited some places and then just wrote texts, but I didn't know like how they work on that. Yeah. But was it for you the first time to come here into a greenhouse or did you went here before? No. Because it's not really that far away, but it's a bit far away. So. Yeah, um, like in the first week when uni starts, like in the first semester, they have like a freshers week and they like introduce the whole campus. And they then we also like walked in there and they showed us. And then, yeah, that was my first time seeing it. That was the second time now. What, what surprised you the most of it? There was a huge papaya in there. <laughs> that surprised me. Thank you for listening to the House Hochschule podcast. We hope you enjoy the show and feel free to follow us and recommend us to your friends. We are always looking for ways to improve and we appreciate your feedback. Take courage and do reach out to us at podcast at hsrw.au. Also, be sure to check out our show notes and links and more information on today's topics and guests. Stay tuned for our final installment, 
where we explore the evening, a time of reflection, connection, and looking forward. I'm Stefan Hanf. This is the How to Hochschule podcast. We are looking forward to hear you next time. Tschüss.